1: listening to Blue Jays Nation Radio with Cam Lewis and Tyler Rumchuk, a member of the Nation Network of Podcasts and delivered by DoorDash.
0: Welcome in. It's episode 72 of Blue Jays Nation Radio. Tyler Rumchuk and Cam Lewis with you to recap a, uh, another successful weekend from the Toronto Blue Jays taking two of three from the Houston
1: Astros. Coombsy, how's it going? It's going good. It's another serious win. It's just like Groundhog Day. This always seems to happen now. It's like an automatic. Let's really let's hope I'm not jinxing it right now. This is a this is a terrible way for me to start things off.
0: Yeah, but I mean you're right. Like the confidence level with this team, even though I think Every fan kind of recognizes they're not playing their best baseball right now. There's defensive mistakes. There's lots of games where the offense just cannot seem to get going. But they've found a way in the first month of the season to finish with a 15 and 8 record despite having a run differential of plus one. Last year, we mocked the Seattle Mariners for being exactly this, but that's kind of what the Jays are right now.
1: Yeah, last year the Jays went 12 and 12 in April. It was a real it was a roller coaster ride. There was the bullpen was blowing games left, right and center. The starting pitching wasn't fantastic. I think the the success they've had against Houston early on here in which they took uh, four of six all told two of three in each of the two series they played kind of shows just how much better the team is now than they were last year. I remember when they went into Houston in early May last year, it looked completely hopeless. And then they hosted Houston and the same thing happened. And they, you know, won just one of three. And it felt like the one game they did win was just like kind of bullshit and kind of luck. But this time it was just. You know, it felt like they had a chance to win all those games, even in the first game of the series that they wind up losing 11 to seven. They go down early. It feels like they have a chance to come back and they did come back a little bit. And then, like you said, there's the two one, one, one run wins they picked up. And those are wins you straight up did not see last April. So it's it's very encouraging stuff.
0: Let's get into three up, three down and fully recap this series here. And we'll start with the ups because they won. And George Springer. I think oh and this this is maybe a little bit too hot takey because of how the pitchers have been doing and how a couple of pitchers in particular have been doing. But can you make the case that George Springer was this team's MVP in the first month of the season?
1: I I think you can I think you can because if you if you don't if you don't put a pitcher in that conversation yeah. then George Springer is obviously the position player MVP. Actually the other guy you could probably make a case for and this is probably hot takey as well as Santiago Espinal yeah. because he always seems to come up clutch and his defense is fantastic as well, but it's pretty hard to argue against Gosman or Manoa but the reality is is that the fact that you have like four probably five to Vladi let's be real here we're underselling him a bit you have five different guys in the conversation who have been very good in April and Springer's definitely at the top of the list Um, he always seems to do well against his former opponent which is it's really funny it's 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 just funny that they kind of let him walk in free agency and there was never really too much discussion about him re-signing with the Astros I kind of get the vibe that given their scandal he was kind of ready to just up and leave and get the fuck out of there. But he really dominated Houston in this series. I mean, he pretty much single-handedly won them the second game on Saturday with the two solo bombs. And then in the ninth inning on Sunday, that game almost got away from them. That, uh, that almost turned into a blown save, but he makes that diving catch in the outfield. So he does it with both the bat and the glove and just, he was definitely the MVP of the series against Houston for me.
0: Yeah, I, I'm with you 100% on that. Like he's been doing it with the bat. You mentioned with the glove. That's his second highlight reel catch in the last week. Pretty much. He's been unreal for the Jays and he's been a consistent in that top leadoff spot as well. Um, I've been loving what they've been getting out of George Springer, who hasn't. And there's a reason why he was our biggest up from that series. The second up, though, not far behind. And that's Kevin Gosman, who racks up a remarkable 10 strikeouts against the Houston Astros. Again, a good baseball team that can hit. I know they're banged up, they don't have Altuve, whatever. Still, This is a solid team and Gosman just went to work on them and picked them apart. Um, The stat that was floating around Twitter in 31 and two third innings this season, Gosman has yet to allow a single walk or a home run. He joins only Cy Young as the only starter in the World Series era since 1903 to begin a season with five consecutive outings of no walks and no home runs, minimum 20 innings. That's unreal. This guy has been better than advertised through his first handful of starts with the Jays.
1: Yeah, it's absolutely insane. I mean, like, you get put into a fucking stat. I mean, that's a pretty random stat, to be fair. It's a bit of a random... It's a a, a very random poll. We can all all agree to that. But that being said, if you're ever put into a stat in which it's you and Cy Young, and you're the two guys, Cy Young being the guy that the award is named after for being (laughs) an amazing pitcher, if you're ever in a stat with just that guy, then you're doing something incredibly right. And Gosman's been... So insanely good this year. Mm-hmm. It was, it, it felt shocking that Houston was even able to put on that second run in that game because he just looked unhittable. And I mean, his first start of the season against Texas looked a little bit rusty, which is fine because, you know, the shortened spring training, blah, blah, blah. But since then, it's been, you know, pretty much untouchable. The two starts against the Red Sox just dominated them. The first one, you know, he goes. And flirts with the complete game shutout, but I think he was even better in the second one because he picked up ten strikeouts in that game. I think it was Nine. and against Houston, same thing. He's just carving up that lineup. And yeah, like you said, they're missing some guys due to injury, but they're still a good lineup. I mean, <laughs> there's still there, there was still a, a team that went to the World Series last year. They're yep. they're good, and he just makes them all look like chumps. It's it's really something.
0: Yeah, he he absolutely does. Um, so in his last three starts now, he's up to 21 innings pitched with 27 strikeouts. And in that span, he's only allowed 17 hits and three earned runs. Just an incredible run from Kevin Gosman. And he was a big reason why they were able to walk away with a series victory, considering he went seven strong on Sunday. The third up we have from this series is... Bo Bichette, is he maybe starting to get going? Because after the first game, he goes 0 for 5. The fan base certainly has opinions on him right now. Um, He hasn't been great with the glove over the last 10, 10 days, I would say. But he goes 0 for 5 in game 1. He follows it up by going 2 for 4 in game 2. And then he hits his second clutch home run of the season in game 3. Is Bo maybe starting to get going a little bit, or was it just two good games and you need to see more?
1: Uh, I mean, I think you take any positive you can. The, the, The big positive for me beyond the home run, that was the obvious one, is the fact that in the second game, he goes two for four, he doesn't strike out once. And then in the third game, it's one for four with the dinger, the dinger being the big thing. And then it's only one strikeout. Like you'd like to see a walk in there maybe, but the fact that he only struck out once, in those two games, over the course of eight plate appearances, is a big positive because that's been the difficult thing for Bo this year. And that's he's <laughs> over the course of 23 games, he struck out 27 times and he's walked just three times. Mm-hmm. We all know he's going to strike out a bunch. His strikeout to walk ratio is not going to be good. You know, last year he was great. There's no doubt about that. He struck out 137 times and walked 40 times. Like you'd like for that to get down and not be quite such an insane ratio, but you know, just, just, just seeing over these past two games, uh, the, the plate approach has been, I think, slightly more calm. It's, it's been less erratic. It's not, it doesn't seem like he's just swinging at everything and we have to hope it's the start of something good. I think, um, it's, it's, it's hard to say. It's, it's only two games. It's not a hell of a sample size. And they're going into a series right away with very good pitching. The Yankees are a really good pitching team. So we'll see if it is, but I mean, realistically, the Jays seriously need this guy to get going because he's one of the major catalysts of the offense. And if he keeps, you know, as long as he's cold, the Jays are not going to get hot. That's it's, it's pretty much that simple. So obviously the, the offense doesn't run entirely on him as one guy, but he's one of those key catalysts where if he's cold, the team is too.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, maybe we could look towards a month of May where if Bo gets going, and Teoscar comes back. Maybe this team could really start to pick up the pace offensively and get to a level where we thought they'd maybe be at the start of the season. Because I think everyone would admit that it's been a, you know, it's been a little bit of a slow start for this team. So I, I, I'm i not like concerned. Like I see some people, you know, kind of doing usual Twitter fan stuff where they freak out online. Um, But They're still top eight. They're eighth in the MLB in team OPS. Okay. That's a good mark. They're tied for first in terms of most home runs. Their batting average as a team is eighth in the MLB or in MLB as well. Like they're, they're fine. They're hitting like a, at a fine clip. It's just maybe not that like mind blowing. They're not putting up the mind blowing numbers that maybe we had hoped they would
1: be at the start of the season. Right? Yeah. We thought they were just kind of going to run away with um the the crown for scoring yeah. runs. We're like, oh geez, this team scored a million runs last year and now they've added Matt Chapman and they've, you know, Alejandro Kirk's a little bit older and Laddie's a little bit older, Mo's a little bit older. Everyone's just gonna get better. But uh, progression isn't a straight line. It's not linear. I mean, Bo had a great season last year. That doesn't mean that he's necessarily going to get better this year. You know, pitchers are going to pitch him differently. They're going to pitch him harder. They have a whole bunch of different data against him. What worked last year? What didn't? We can throw him more of this stuff because, you know, he's struggling with it. Maybe we'll throw more sliders because he swings at everything. And the reality is for Bo, he's going to have to he's going to have to change his approach and you know, there's a reason he's gotten this far in his baseball life as a very good player. And I imagine that he's going to be able to sit down and figure it out.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let's move into our downs from this series, starting with uh, the first one. And it comes from the first game where, Hey, the offense actually did wake up for one game in this series. It's just a shame that it came in a game where they managed to give up 11 runs. Um, So great to see that they were capable of putting up seven, but That was uh, probably the ugliest pitching performance from the Jays
1: we've seen this season. Yeah, Yusei Kikuchi's um, (laughs) numbers this season are not at all encouraging. So it's been four starts, 14 and two thirds innings, um, nine earned runs. And the nine earned runs feels that feels that feels soft. It feels like he probably should have a worse ERA than the 5.52 mark he has because he's walked as many guys as he's struck out and he has allowed a lot of loud contact. I think back specifically to his first start of the year, the one in New York against the Yankees, and he was getting thrilled. And the defense came up really huge behind him. And, it's, and if not for performances like that, his numbers could be significantly worse. And I think, honestly, through four starts, he had the pretty good one against Boston, which he only allowed one run, and he made it through five innings. But that was the only time this season he's made it through five. So that's a little bit worrying. I think we're, we said earlier on, I think it was one of the first podcasts we did this year. We're going to give each of the starters three goes because of the shortened spring training. And we won't panic until they've struggled three times. Uh, Jose Barrios obviously bounced back after his terrible start. Kevin Gosman's been amazing. Manoa's been amazing. Ryu's injured. And Kikuchi's now had four pretty rough starts. So yeah, I think it's definitely reasonable to sound a bit of an alarm here.
0: Yeah, I think so. The nice part is that it's not like last season when Tanner Rourke is struggling and it's (laughs) like, oh man, the rotation is sunk because like we have no one and like TJ Zoik is stepping in and like all that. Like at least we're getting Manoa and Gosman and Barrios looks to have found a level that he's fairly comfortable in, right? Like you're getting good contributions from the big guys, it's just this kind of fifth spot that's up in the air. And you're like, ah, a Kikuchi start probably isn't going to go well right now. And maybe he figures it out. Who knows? Um, But right. At least this isn't a key guy who are sitting here being like, who they're in trouble when he's pitching. Like, you know, like last year it was bad because they had no depth this year. They not just have depth, but they have a deep rotation of
1: high end arms. Yeah, you feel good whenever you have any of Manoa, Burrios or Gosman going. And I think, honestly, like we should also give some praise to Ross Stripling, too. Because, you know, he's been more than fine in the in the role in which he's jumped into Phil Hyunjin, Ryu's spot in the, ro- in the rotation. So pretty much right now, the only weak spot is Kikuchi. He's lost all four of the starts that he's he's gone in so far. I don't think the Boston one was really his fault, per se. But, yeah, that's not in the, the world. It's not last season. This isn't like <laughs> Rourke and TJ Zoic like you said. So, You can't complain about everything. It is what it is. Your number five starter isn't very good. It's not the end of the world.
0: Yeah, exactly. Uh, So our first down was when the offense did wake up, the pitching gave out Kikuchi, obviously being the second down closely tied into that. Do we have a third down from this series? Because like I again, the first game, yeah, that wasn't great. Maybe you could say it's like it's Richards giving up five earned runs in one and one third. Like, okay, maybe, but relievers are allowed to have bad outings. Like I just don't really look at anything else that really went on there, unless we want to use this to talk about Charlie getting tossed as a down.
1: Uh, what don't we talk about? Uh, um, uh, Gosuke Kato getting sent down to the minors because the, the rosters went from 28 to 26. Maybe that's the down. I guess
0: I would have been okay with them keeping it at 28 all year yeah why not like i I don't really see much of a downside there unless it's that you know you have to pay a couple extra guys, I suppose, but he was he is the vibes man, like we talked about how funny he is on Twitter, like super super likable. I think the reaction after he hit his his uh first extra base hit there was so extra that you kind of think like you know he's probably pretty lovable in the in the clubhouse as well it, it's It is kind of
1: sad to see a guy like that go down. It's unfortunate, I think. Yeah, I think he did a pretty good job in his role, honestly. Like he was playing very sporadically, yeah. but he came up to the plate 11 times. He only hit once. It was the double, but he walked three times, only struck out once. So that's positive. That's what you want from your utility bottom of the order. Guy that doesn't play that much is a guy who's walking kind of puts the ball in play. That's ideal. And I mean, what I will say is the positive thing is it was nice to see this journeyman kind of get his, get his hit right? Like that's what we all wanted to see. Like, uh he got sent down immediately off the hop pretty much when they got uh bradley zimmer on um from cleveland in that trade early on and it was like oh geez that sucks this guy finally cracks a team and he's not gonna get a fucking hit but then he comes back up and he hits the double so that was positive at the very least
0: bradley zimmer doesn't do a ton for me though i mean he's batting oh sixty seven. 67 um not even that like he doesn't really put together a lot of competitive at bats i get that he's a good center fielder so like he's there to like help and do some sort of like load management kind of stuff with springer because they can move him to right field and all that um but at the same time i would probably be a little bit okay if he didn't play again this year
1: he he, he will yeah. keep playing
0: um uh, but he is like he doesn't look like an mlb hitter when he's at the dish
1: No. So we've seen 15 games of Zimmer so far this season. It's 32 plate appearances, only two hits, one of which was the home run. That was huge, Um, (laughs) but he struck out 13 times and walked just once. And the reality is is that his blazing speed doesn't do much. If he's not on base, he has yet to steal a base for the Blue Jays. And he's been caught stealing. (laughs) So that's not ideal. The defense is great, but.
0: So he's gone on base three times and in one of those, he got
1: thrown out. Yeah. Yeah, so that's that's not that's not a ringing endorsement, but it's hard to it's hard to imagine him surviving the roster uh, the roster cut when Teoscar comes back. I think. Yeah, that's a good point.
0: Which uh, we have we heard? Have you seen anyone doing any sort of reporting on like when exactly Teoscar could be back? I, yeah. They showed him on the broadcast like running the bases. He took that. He did an at bat, or he did like live BP against Hunjin Ryu as well. So. <laughs>
1: Um, yeah. So Arden's Welling reported yesterday that uh, Teoscar was supposed to go to Buffalo for his rehab assignment, but apparently it's raining a bunch there, which makes sense because it looks ugly as fuck in Toronto today. Um, yeah. Teoscar's going to Dunedin to do okay. a little rehab stint with the baby Jays instead. So he won't be back for the Yankee series, obviously, but the hope is that if all goes according to plan, he will be able to join the team as they face the Clevelanders in Cleveland this weekend, which would be a nice boost.
0: I want to ask you a question. When I mentioned Ryu and he threw uh live BP to Teoscar, when he's back, who goes to the bullpen, Stripling or Kikuchi?
1: I mean, I that's a tough one. I mean, Stripling's been better, but Stripling's role on the team is to be, you know, the swing guy. Yeah. And he is, his role is to pitch over the bullpen occasionally, one inning here and there, and then also maybe make a spot start. But he's been the better pitcher. And honestly, like... Given if 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 Ryu doesn't pitch better when he returns than he did early on, and Kikuchi continues to struggle as he has now, then all of a sudden you go to black holes in your rotation and you're back to where you were last year. Yeah, like which is what you were you were talking about, which is the the thing that's better this year than last is they don't have quite as many black holes. And if Stripling continues to pitch well, you can't take him out of the rotation. You have to let him keep pitching. Like his last outing, he pitched really well. He struck out what seven guys over five innings and allowed. One earned run or something, it was it's a good outing. He's he's got like a 2.72 ERA since joining the starting rotation. His only really bad outing was um yeah he he had a relief appearance where he allowed two runs. Uh that was back when he was still in the bullpen, obviously. So if he can't use to pitch like this, then don't take him out. Take one of the other two out. I don't I don't I don't see how Ryu could ever possibly be a reliever because yeah. the command just isn't there, but I don't know, maybe Kikuchi. Rides in a multi inning relief role because he can wind up and get more power. I really have no idea. It's kind of a weird problem, but then again, it's also April, so we don't want to get too worked up about. Though I mean, I like yeah. five minutes ago, I was just whining about Kikuchi and how bad he is, but I'll, I'll I think I'll, they'll I'll be patient it with him,
0: right? Like I, I think you can. Like you put Stripling back in the bullpen, and you kind of tell him like, yeah, hey, you've been you've been a great arm for us, but we're going to stick with our process for a little bit because it's only month two of the season. And then I think if you get into like June and Kikuchi is struggling still and Stripling's pitching good in the bullpen, maybe he has another spot start that looks good. And then at that point, maybe you go like, okay, this is not the situation we thought it would be. We got to try something else. But I think for right now, you kind of, for lack of a better phrase here, trust, trust, trust your thinking, trust your process a little bit. Trust the process.
1: Yeah, I didn't I didn't want
0: to say that because of the 76ers thing and all that. But yeah, trust the process a little bit, you know, Yeah, Uh, trust the process. Okay, one more thing before we do a quick look around the American League. Charlie getting tossed, and then later that evening, he was. Do you know what the club or the bar was where he was like up there with the band playing music? That was great.
1: You no, know I'm not familiar with the place because I haven't lived here long enough. But that's a that's a really good Charlie vibe. It's a, it's almost like this. It's almost like he spent some time with John Gibbons over the offseason. Yeah, like he's uh, he's gotten a lot more fiery this year, and I wonder if. Now that they're competitive, he's kind of bringing that out. I think he kind of dialed it back in the first few years because he didn't want to... You don't want to be the cocky
0: manager whose team also sucks.
1: Yeah. You don't want to be like a hothead when your team wins like 70 games. And then the COVID year, everything was so intense that there was really no room for error. It was such a sprint. And then last year, we started seeing Charlie get mad a little bit more often, but we still complained about it. We were like, oh, geez, like... I don't know. There's bad balls and strikes being called and someone's been tossed. Like, why doesn't Charlie go and spaz? Why doesn't he go and snap? He just, why doesn't he do that? We loved it when Gibby did it. And now he's doing it. He's standing up for, he's standing up for the guys on the team and you have to think they like it. Like, I don't know if I was a player, then I'd be excited to go and see Charlie spaz. Like there's a lot to like about Charlie's chill dude who seems to create a great atmosphere for the players, especially the Latin American ones too. They can, you know, do their thing. It's pretty cool but it's fun to see him also kind of um contrast that with a with a bit of a hot-headed energy. I think as baseball fans in Canada, we really quite like that. That's why that's yeah. why we all love Gibby so much, right? We all love watching him get mad. It's like a, he's like he was like a hockey-style manager.
0: Yeah, and and that's exactly what it is with Charlie. I think he's become likable this year. And part of that is probably the team being competitive like you said, but I think a lot of the things that people ripped him for, whether it was fair or not, he's done a good job of kind of changing up his vibe a little bit this year and i love it uh let's take a quick look around the american league we are a month into the season the jays are not first in the al that spot belongs to the new york yankees who started the year i mean that fan base it it doesn't take a lot for them to have a meltdown oh yeah um
1: but they had a meltdown and now they found a way to turn it around yeah, it was the end of the world in New York after 10 games. So they started off against Boston. They won the, they won two of three and then uh, Toronto goes to uh, New York and they split the four game series. And then Baltimore uh, takes two of three from the Yankees. And that's when it was the end of the world. Yeah. It was like, this is the worst Yankees team of all time. Blow it up, trade everybody away, fire Cashman. um fire Steinbrenner somehow they were five and five at that point. It wasn't that big of a deal. And then they go ahead and they play Detroit, Cleveland, Baltimore, and Kansas city. And now they're 16 and six and they're on a nine game winning streak. And Yankees fans are carrying on as though they're never going to lose again. And they're, you know, they're finding a tremendous amount of success. Their pitching has been great as you'd expect it uh, as you'd expect it to be. They have, you the second best ERA in Major League Baseball behind on the Dodgers. And their offense has been also quite good. And it's been led by Aaron Judge and Anthony Rizzo, who's suddenly hitting just like he did when he was a superstar with the Chicago Cubs. But again, you have to look at who the Yankees have played here. I think the Yankees are a good team. I think they're, they could win the American League East. That's, you know, reasonable to say, but the teams they beat up on are absolute dog shit. The best team they've faced in that stretch is Cleveland and they're 10 and twelve. So beating up on Baltimore, Kansas City, and Detroit isn't necessarily something to write home about, but I do still think the Yankees are a good team. They're just not. This nine-game winning streak is, you know, you never scoff at a nine-game winning streak. Wins but, or wins. Yeah, wins or wins. But it's not the same. I don't think it's as impressive as the run the Jays have put up against exclusively playoff opponents in the past week and a half.
0: And, and I think that's fair as well. Uh, going below Toronto, you have Tampa at 12 and 10. That's kind of right around where I expected them to be. Like in the hunt, you know, in the mix for one of those wild card spots. But I, I never viewed them as a team that was going to run away with the division and do anything crazy like that. So 12 and 10 is right where I expect Tampa to be. Boston is surprising at nine and 14, honestly.
1: That's really weird. The, the thing about the Red Sox, that's bizarre. Like I... I think that they overachieved last year, but I still, like, I thought there would be a regression, but I still thought they'd be in the mix for a playoff spot. And I do still think they will, especially with the expanded field. But the weird thing about Boston is that their pitching hasn't been terrible. Their team ERA is 3.59, which is better than the Jays, but their offense has been awful. They're, you know, they're well below average here with 3.52 run score per game. The only teams they're ahead of are Cincinnati, Kansas City, Arizona, Detroit, and Baltimore. And then randomly the White Sox, who are also struggling early on. Both of these teams have identical 622 team OPSs, which is really bizarre. But yeah, the Red Sox, you'd think they would bounce back. Actually, ironically, one of the um, kind of uh, challenges they've navigated is... um, the the Tanner Houck thing kind of kind of threw them into a bit of a loop because when they came to Toronto and Houck couldn't come with them, then they started Garrett Whitlock, who's probably their best reliever right now. He's kind of become their de facto night inning guy. Um, they started him and he he pitched well against the Jays, but then they couldn't use him as a reliever and they blew some games later on. So that situation's kind of coming back to haunt them, which is kind of funny. But I don't know. I think the Red Sox will rebound to some extent. I don't think they're amazing, but The Jays and the Yankees look like the best two teams in the AL East, which is what I think we're all pretty much saying coming into the year. I think Tampa's better than they've shown so far this year as well. I don't think they're Mm. a slightly above 500 team. They're
0: a team who... If they get a soft spot in the schedule, they could also rattle off nine in a row and then all of a sudden they're in contention for the top spot in the division as well kind of thing is the way I look at it. Uh, let's go through this upcoming series against the Yankees here quickly in a couple of minutes. Uh, game one tonight, Montgomery versus Stripling, our friends at Points bet Canada. They have the Blue Jays as underdogs in this first game at minus one Oh five. The Yankees are minus 115. So pretty much a pick them here as uh, this series gets going. The over under is set at eight and a half in this one, considering how the Yankees offense is going, maybe the over, but again, can he trust the Jays to put up runs? Uh, that's our points bet Canada report for game one. Game two is going to be James Talion against Alec Manoa and game three of this series. The finale on Wednesday is going to be Kikuchi against the ever successful TBD for New York.
1: It'll be Nestor Cortez going in that one. So there's two different games here that are exact rematches of what we saw when the Jays were in the Bronx. So the first one is Manoa and Tyon, which uh, Manoa has been outrageously good against the Yankees. He beat them in his season debut in the Bronx in that series. And the Jays were did okay against Tyon. He's quite a good pitcher, but he never goes deep into games. He's always injured. But Manoa's got a 1.53 ERA over his career against the Yankees. And the only Yankee who's ever done damage off of him is Brett Gardner, who hit a three-run bomb against him last September. And he's no longer with the team. So that's like the only guy, the only Yankee who's done extra bases against Manoa. And there's a tweet here from Brendan Cootie. Saying the Yankees will face Blue Jays Alec Manoa on Tuesday. Manoa has faced the Yankees three times. Not one player on the current roster has an extra base hit off of him. Aaron judges zero for eight against the big man. And then it's Kikuchi and Cortez. Cortez was really quite good against yeah. the Jays in that series. New York won that game. Kikuchi got lit up, and it was one of those games where he didn't allow as many runs as you would have thought because the defense was very good. So this is kind of a toss-up of a series, honestly. You have Stripling's been good. Montgomery's been fine. The Jays hit Montgomery a few times last year, but the Yankees also hit Stripling last year. Manoa versus Tyon, you probably like the Jays there because Manoa really dominates New York, and then you like New York in the final game. Cortez is quite good. Kikuchi is not. So real toss-up here. Hard to say what to expect.
0: Yeah, and it'll be a good tight series. Like it's early in the year, but this is a meaningful one as well when you look at it from the perspective of these two teams are going to be, in all likelihood, neck and neck throughout the rest of the regular season. So it should be a good one as the Jays host the Yankees. Uh, One more time, shout out to our friends at sportscloset.ca. Load upon some Jays gear. The weather is starting to turn, whether it's a jersey, a t shirt, a fresh ball cap, Sports Closet has it all, and they will ship to you anywhere in Canada. Coombsy, you enjoy this upcoming series, and we will chat again. In the middle of the week. Sounds good. Best wishes.
1: Thanks for tuning in to Blue Jays Nation Radio, a member of the Nation Network of podcasts, and delivered by DoorDash. Don't forget to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast from to never miss an episode. Have a catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row. Dreaming of something better. Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Geeky Palmer.